suburban eastern Australia, an environment that has, over time, evolved some extraordinarily unique groups of Homo sapiens. But today, we observe a small tribe akin to a group of meerkats that gather together atop a small mound to watch, question, and discuss the current events of their city, their country, and their world at large. Let's listen keenly and observe this group fondly known as the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove. Mm, thank you, Sir David, for that introduction once again. Yes, it's the Iron Fist Velvet Glove podcast. Somehow you've stumbled across us, the Google algorithm or <laughs> via a good friend has told you about us. Mm. This is a podcast, it's weekly. We talk about news and politics, sex and religion, what's going on in the world, try and figure it out and provide a brief summary. So that's what we're going to try and do. I'm Trevor, the Iron Fist, with me, nearly as always, Scott the Velvet Glove. <laughs> I've only missed two. <laughs> and they were just that were week after week, but, you know, that was not not my fault. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're up to episode 221 and you've probably missed a handful in that time. Half so, a dozen or thereabouts, yeah. 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 I'm marking your attendance is very good. <laughs> G'day Trevor, g'day Paul, g'day listeners. And also, Paul the 12th man. Hi guys, how are you? Hopefully you're good. Welcome well, to the I've, podcast listeners. Mm, I've got a little bit of a runny nose, a little bit of a cold developing, I might have to reach for a tissue as we go, so we'll see. Do you have but a box handy? I do, got good. one right here. Yep. Excellent. And I've got right beside my beer. I forget that. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, lots has happened in this past week. No shortage of sort of topics that we like to discuss. Quite music this of, week, um, yeah. Freedom of speech sort of issues and uh, religion, of course. So politics, a fair bit has happened. And uh, let's start off. So we had, it's hard to go beyond Scott Morrison and the love affair bromance that seems to be developing with, <laughs> with <laughs> Donald I, Trump. Yeah. Um, I had to think about this really long and hard the other day because, you know, the way they were fawning over each other, it was really quite repulsive. And then the better half, he said to me, he says, how would you feel if that was Boris Johnson? And I said, I don't know. And I sat there and I really thought about it. I thought, Jesus, I couldn't, couldn't stomach it from either of them. You know, so. Boris hasn't had enough time to exhibit the full repertoire of terrible behaviours. That's the, true. The Trump has mm. clearly behaved just abominably. Like Absolutely. For, for Morrison, who... You know, proclaims to be this great Christian, but you know, Trump is just the anti It's almost it's the, the Antichrist, isn't he? He is, yes. So, you know, his his character as a man would be just should be enough for you know for somebody like um, Morrison to be quite appalled by him. So didn't you think? Yeah. A, a self professed Christian yeah. who claims to live by moral standards, mm. uh, associating with a person like Trump, mm. you you have to call his um his judgment into question, except for the fact that he's president of the United States and Morrison doesn't have any choice. Indeed. So we expect our prime ministers to get on with um, leaders of other countries, mm. you know, as best they can for the sake of everybody. They don't have to fall in love with them, as appears to have happened in this case. And, um, uh, you know, there's been different bits and pieces to listen to. One of the things that got me was um, they were talking about Iran. And I have to say this for Morrison. He does seem to be saying he's not interested in mm. a war in Iran and mm. he's providing a few 
troop ship or ships or something like that as sort of uh, frigates to he's sort provi- of patrol. He's provided, but, a, he's provided a frigate and a plane. Yeah. And that's all he's and, given at this stage and that's all he's said he's going to give. Yeah. So. so we shouldn't even be doing that much, mm. but um, it could be worse. So at <laughs> least he seems to be... It could be a hell of a lot worse. Yeah. So you're saying it's tokenism on Morrison's part? It does seem to be. He doesn't seem to be keen and he seems to be, you know, low-key on that. So that's He doesn't want possible. to be the deputy who didn't mm. send any horses. Yeah, so that's it. So in any event, um, of course, Trump, in one of the interviews I was watching, said this. He said about Iran, the easiest thing for me to do is to say, knock out 15 sites in Iran and that would be a very bad day for Iran. And he went on to say that uh, the US has the best military in the world. Quote, we have the finest planes, ships and submarines. We have the best missiles and best rockets in the world. Does this sound like Kim Jong-il? Does it sound like a North Korean leader? (laughs) Like boasting about how good their rockets are? Mm. It's just terrible. Yeah. It's juvenile, isn't it? It's, it's not what you expect from hmm. a, a leader of a major nation, you know, on the world stage. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, that's what's going on there. And, of course, uh, reported by the Wall Street Journal originally and then picked up by the Australian media, media is that, um, that Morrison tried to invite... Hillsong Church pastor Brian Houston as part of the entourage to enjoy the festivities at the White House. Brian Houston, head of Hillsong, who uh, was censured by the Royal Commission for failing to report what his father, father had done. done. Yeah. yeah, and Morrison wants to invite this character as one of our esteemed Australians along to the celebrations. <laughs> what, what? What have we got? What somebody got to do? He probably wanted to invite George Pell, but he was unavailable. Like, 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 you know, that's where we're up to with these guys. Like, what what have you got to do to to not be eligible? So be on the Iron Fist and Velvet Glove podcast. That, yeah, that would be it. So Brian Houston said, "Oh, I'd never received any invite. Nobody asked me." Um, well, guess what? What they do first of all is find out whether they can get you in, and then they call you and say. You're invited, and most people are prepared to drop everything and attend a White House dinner. So that's the order in which things work. And they've been very cagey in saying, "Oh, that's just gossip," but nobody's actually said, "No, I did not ask." Exactly, and that's why we know Morrison is just trying to bat it away and not give a straight answer. Yeah, yeah. Hey, um, we're we're broadcasting on a Monday night because I've got things to do um, tomorrow night, and. I didn't think anyone would be in the chat room, but good on you, Will, Greg, Andrew, and Joe. Our friend Joe was in there as well. So um, thanks, guys, for being in there. Feel free to comment. We'll try and pass it on. Um, so, yeah. So uh, I went to a talk during the week, uh, a lecture by a guy, Peter Black, I think his name was, at QUT. He's a constitutional law and a sort of a... Uh, expert and he's in the law faculty there, one of the lecturers, and was came as well. He gave a good overview of the religious discrimination bill, um, particularly from LGBTIQ position. They seem to be the only people complaining about it, other <laughs> than the really ratbag secularists like us. Like nobody else is complaining, and um, uh, so that was good. He really pointed out actually how 
the sort of conscientious objections that are within that bill that allow medicos to refuse service and things. And he was saying, like, if you're in a small rural town, mm. you might find it difficult to access what might be normal service in terms of um, the pill or the morning after pill or other, mm. you know, um, stuff like that, prep for homosexual guys and stuff like that. So, mm. uh, so he was saying that that's pretty wide-ranging exemptions that it would be it might make it difficult in small rural towns to get mm. what you want. Mm. And funnily enough, I was talking to my mother, and uh, she was saying that um, when she and her sisters about that time having kids. Uh, her sister was in a small country town. The pill was being introduced around Australia, but in that small country town it was all Catholics and she couldn't get the pill and hence oh. she ended up with four children rather than three. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so so that was 50 years ago. Didn't she try the rhythm so, method? So um, so there you go. It, what, what was happening 50 years ago could happen uh, in our future mm. thanks to the... Theocracy that we've got going here. Indeed. Yeah. So, um, so this that is was... a hell of a worry, isn't mm. it? Mm. Are you getting hot? I'm going to put air conditioning on. It's a bit warm. Mm. Sorry, guys. Um, so, I've been thinking about because with this religious discrimination bill, we've, <laughs> that's better. We're running out of time if we want to put in some some changes, some submissions. But I've come to the conclusion that it's probably a waste of time because uh, they're just oh, not going to... It's, it's a waste of time trying to convince the Morrison government mm. of anything mm. because the government's own Ruddock report said there is no problem with religious freedom in Australia, but they drafted a bill anyway. Exactly. Yeah. So they're going ahead anyway. Yep. So they clearly have an agenda and they'll pay lip service to people like us. Yeah. You know, they'll say, oh, send in your, your submissions, we'll yeah. read them all, yeah. and then it won't make any difference. Correct. So their own report said there's no problem, but they've done a bill. Their own report, the Ruddock report, said there's, um, there's no need for a religious freedom commissioner. They're getting one. Pointing one anyway. So when their own report, report says that, they ignore it and do their own thing anyway. Mm. The government sat on the report for 15 months and then produced the legal equivalent of a dog's breakfast mm. and now gives us five weeks to comment. Yeah, great. And, you know, the Child Abuse Commission censured Brian Houston for protecting a pedophile and we now know Morrison tried to invite him to a fucking meeting with the president. Like, mm -hmm. like and, we're and now wasting doesn't it. have the spine to admit it. Yeah. So uh, Morrison will do what he wants to privilege religion mm. and he won't give a shit what we say unless we highlight something that goes against his self-interest. Um, our only hope is if Labor is convinced to side with the Greens. So, really, you're probably wasting your breath talking to this Liberal government, making a submission, unless you can find something that is of interest to them. Remember last week we are talking about how you need to address the, the argument of the person who you're in dispute with. Like, mm. um, what was the topic was... It was one where one side was arguing a certain feature set and the other side was arguing something completely different. And if you don't address the opposite side's argument, you just slide past each exactly. other. Exactly. Yeah. I can't remember what it was called. Yeah. But yeah. It made a hell of a lot of sense. Mm. So bearing that in mind, if we're arg if, I reckon if you're going to write to, say, a conservative um, or you're going to write a submission to the government, 
it would be quite different from what you would write to an L, a Labor guy, for example, taking this in mind. So mm. I'm saying if you're going to write to a Conservative or you're going to put a submission in, you could say things that might make them think twice about it, which would be, well, they supposedly love business, so the Falau rule is just more red tape for business. They might go, oh, okay, well, we don't want red tape for business. Um, the school chaplaincy and military chaplaincy programs will be contaminated by secular chaplains. Contaminated? Yes. Because that's, you know, this is an argument that they might like. Um, rural voters with limited choice of doctors or pharmacies might find they can't get simple things like the pill because of conscientious objections. Mm-hmm. So rural, rural women will not be happy. And... Morrison copped a lot of flack when ordinary Australians learned that gay teachers and students can legally be discriminated against. He'll cop similar flack when they understand this bill. So these are things that might actually cause them to stop. So incidentally, just on these, the conscientious objections in this, um, in this bill for health service, um, service provided in the practice of any of the following... Dental, dental, optometry, physiotherapy, podiatry. What what possible conscientious objection could a religious podiatrist have in terms of providing medical service? Isn't that someone that deals with your feet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But see, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, medical radiation practice. What what? You're a radiologist. What possible medical, religious objection could you have that you would want to withhold it's a tough one, some medical it? radiation practice? It's so wide-ranging. It's bizarre. So it's dentist. What, yeah. Yeah, what on earth connection could a religious discrimination bill have with dentists? Yes. So um, extremely wide-ranging. So anyway, if you're writing to a Labor politician, and by the way, this is all in the show notes, dear listener, you could say... One, we need more time. Two, this encourages discrimination of LGBTIQ people under the guise of religious freedom. Um, we've got various topics there. The one I like in particular is this bill purports to protect non-believers yeah. because it talks about um, a religious statement of faith being one, a statement by a religious person about their religion or a statement by an atheist about religion relating to their lack of faith. Mm. But who's most likely to discriminate against an atheist? A Christian. A religious person. Mm. And who has a big fat exemption in the act? A religious person. A religious people. <laughs> so, so it says that, that atheists are protected to some extent for their thoughts about religion. But, but the exemption is for religious groups, the very people most likely to discriminate against an atheist Mm. are the ones who have a big fat exemption. Can you think of one situation where an atheist would feel they needed to discriminate against a religious person? That's the point. So the atheists are getting nothing out of this. And this is the whole point with this is, you know, some people were arguing, I've heard different arguments saying, oh, well, you know, atheists can now discriminate against... No, religious can't. people, but not as if you'd want to anyway. Like, that's the whole point. So, yeah, atheists just wouldn't occur to an atheist to discriminate against someone on that basis, yeah. would it? Normally. Yeah. 
I wouldn't have thought so. So anyway, I've got a list of things that you could say if you're writing to a Labor politician, about nine of them there. You've heard them all before. I won't go too much into it. Um, Just with these conscientious objectors, I reckon if this goes ahead and we've got medical people refusing service for gay people or or for trans people or just people who are sexually active outside of marriage, maybe. They wouldn't dare. <laughs> yeah. We need to know who they are. Like, I, I reckon someone will have to develop an app which will say, if you go... Oh, we'll alert you if, to the practitioners be, be, who are likely to d- discriminate against you. Well, or have discriminated against others because okay. being a white heterosexual male who just needs the occasional codral flu tablet or something and nothing too controversial, um, you know, I, I won't know that a pharmacist has actually been refusing service mm. of a typical sort that we would expect. But I'd like to know because yeah. I will boycott them if I know. So, so somebody needs a database where people yeah. can send in their yeah. information when that happens yes. to them. if you've been discriminated be against, the collect- rest of us yeah. can find out. What do you think of that in the chat room? So, um, Sounds like a good idea. Yeah. Sounds like it, a very good idea. Yeah. So somebody develop an app and I'll take a mere 10% of the royalties. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and put it to good use. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, women have got issues in terms of um, perhaps access to um, contraceptives and other... Reproductive services. Indeed. And it's not getting any easier in New South Wales in terms of abortion law. So, the no, that um, the bloody Tories got their own way, didn't they, with the um, sex selection? Sex selection, which was probably a red herring, but they threw it in there just to try and bugger everything up. Hmm. And they probably have slowed it down, hmm. but they're not going to. I don't think they're going to win the day. I think that. No. The, I think the. I the, think it'll get through. Eventually. It'll get through, yeah. but there's going to be an exemption in there that says that you know you can't use you can't have an abortion for sex selection, which I don't know if you, if you didn't want a girl and that sort of stuff. You had a scan, you found out you're carrying a girl. You'd say oh, I'm just not ready for a baby yet. As we said before, yeah. you would, unless you're a mind reader, you wouldn't know that somebody has has decided on. Mm. On a termination because of yeah. sex, unless yeah. you know during the scam you say, "Congratulations, you're having a little girl," and they say, "Oh, a girl." In that case, I'm going to terminate the pregnancy, which yeah, exactly. just isn't going to happen. It's so not going very to hard to so there's no, It's yeah. just a. So apparently, as part of this bill, there's got to be some investigation of uh, and guidelines regarding sex selection happening in terminations and it's a complete nonsense yeah. so look it's probably a complete nonsense in this country it isn't in some other countries yes yep. and so on the face of it it seems like a reasonable uh, amendment to me on the face of it not and and i agree with you that mm. to detect it in australia would be extremely difficult mm. and i i imagine there, there might be people in australia mm. among the migrant communities some yep. migrant communities who might want to do it uh, use abortion as yeah. a sex selection. But, yeah. but you know what? But when, they, when it's in Victoria where they don't have this, you know, there has not been a flood of people saying, yes. oh, I want to abort this female you baby. Know. Obviously. We, there would not be a flood. And it, as you said before, it would be extremely difficult to detect anyway. 
And until we get to the point of a massive disparity of mm. sex in our mm. population, do we really care? Like, if a woman uh, thinks, for example, she can only have one child for whatever reason, mm. and she decides that she wants a little girl, not a little boy, mm. and she decides to terminate because of her sex selection, is that a bad thing? Like, is it, is it such a bad thing anyway? Maybe. I mean, it's a bit discriminatory, isn't it? To... But we're saying a woman has a choice with yeah. her own body just because she says, I'm not ready, mm. for any myriad of reasons that we, you know, it's quite possible that somebody could have a... And it could be cultural that they've, they've got as well. Like, I just... Until our society is at a point where we say, you know what, this is causing a problem for the rest of us because yeah. we've got... 65% boys now and they just won't find enough partners. Unless mm. it's something like that, I think we could say, well... You know it happened cares? in China, don't you, during yeah, the one-child policy? Indeed, yes. They had an ex- quite a major disparity. Yeah, but we haven't reached that point. No, and, until and, we and do, we're unlikely to, mm. let's, let's mm. face it. Mm. Yeah, I don't, I don't see it as becoming an issue in Australia, frankly. Yeah. I can understand the concern about people doing it, in a sense. So I don't think mm. it's an unreasonable idea to put out there, mm. but I can't see it being a problem mm. in Australia. So if it's not a problem, then why would you allow it to be legislated? Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a, probably a I, delaying tactic. I think it? it was just a, um, it was a, a solution in search of a problem. Yeah, really. And that's all. That's what it all came down to. I think it was just a, it was a delaying tactic on the part of the Tories to try and stop this thing going through. It was on the part of the Christians rather than the Tories because well, it was okay. just a, yeah. a select group of pr- practicing Christians who put up the the amendments. Mm-hmm. And they're up there photographed next to that fucking idiot Fred Nile. You know, indeed. Proudly, pardon. proudly photographed next to Fred Nile. Yeah. I mean, pardon the language, dear listener. Mm. So, so the so the amendment to the bill is going to include recommendations about how to prevent terminations being performed for the purposes of sex selection. And the Greens, uh, Abigail Boyd said, it's a crazy way to make laws. On the one hand, is the possibility of the report saying, well, it does not happen, and on the other hand is the report being obliged to also have to say how to prevent the thing that is not happening anyway. So it I'm seems surprised the Greens didn't take offence right. at the mere suggestion that mm. some, someone's ethnic culture would, would be wrong Maybe in, any, in any way, shape or form. <laughs> Maybe they did as well, yeah. Okay, we've got a lot of offence-type speech coming up here. Carl Sanderlands. Um, it's the only time I've actually agreed with him this week. Mm. <laughs> Shock jock. Um, He's apologised for making offensive comments about the Virgin Mary that angered Christian and Muslim groups online and prompted calls for a boycott. The controversial radio host described the Virgin Mary as a liar during the FM segment, saying she was probably impregnated, quote, behind the camel shed. What? Outrageous. Mm. He then called anyone who believed in the Bible story dumb and said, quote, you might believe everything that was written down 2,000 years ago to be absolutely accurate. Good on you, you're dumb. Yes. That part I found myself uh, almost agreeing with him. I don't think all religious believers are dumb Mm. by any means, but... um, Yeah, but that point about the Bible, that was pretty accurate. That part was good. Yeah. And the part about Mary obviously not being uh, immaculately impregnated. 
Yep. That part's obviously correct. Yep. If indeed Mary was a real person at all, you know. Yes. But the part that really offended me was his apology. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Nothing offended you except for the <laughs> apology. That's yeah. good. Yes, I'm offended by your apology. Yeah. But seriously, yeah. weren't you? I thought, good on you, Kyle, for say, saying something honest on, on the radio for a change. Yeah. And, and then he ruined it all. Usually and then he ruined it all. Mm-hmm. So his, uh, his reputation's mud in, in my estimation. <laughs> Yeah, he said, I'm sorry if I offended anyone with my comments. Because <laughs> I but didn't he's know not, that was good. Yeah. He's not really. He's, no, he's just worried about losing advertisers now. Yeah. So, so that was uh, freedom of speech issue number one, Kyle Sanderlands. Mm. Number two was a butcher shop in um, Adelaide's northeast, Valley Butchers, who um, had a sign in the shop window mm. So this isn't, this isn't an advertisement in a magazine or a newspaper no. or anything. It's uh, on their shop window. Mm. And it originally said, non-halal certified. And this caused an uproar 12th man. It did indeed. Mm. And um, there was a complaint to the ad standards. Mm. Uh, the complaint said that it poked fun at Muslim people and perpetuates mm. a culture of vilification towards religious minorities that results in harm towards them. And tell us, Fist, what mm. did the Ad Standards panel decide? They agreed. Yes. Unbelievable. Uh, I don't understand that. Who, I mean, who gets non- themselves onto these panels? You know, I mean, so, so the Ad Standards community panel said it made fun of halal certification and was offensive and demeaning to people who are of that faith and Muslim Demeaning. How ethnicity. is it possibly demeaning of people? And they added that there's no such thing as non-halal certification. Um, so the proprietor said, all right, if that's what you think, I'll change my sign. And he yes. did. Mm. To? To not, not halal, halal certified, <laughs> which makes perfect sense because his, his meats are not and, halal And that certified. seemed to be... Also, part of an agreement with this ad standards, where they, where they sort of reading between the lines here, it seems to be that that they said to him, "If you make it not halal certified, oh, do you think?" Yes. Um, so, um, ad standards chief executive Fiona Jolly earlier told ABC Radio that changing the phrase's wording from "non" to "not" made a key difference mm. to the meaning. Yeah. How? I don't get it. I don't understand that because non-halal certified, not halal certified, you know, it's not offensive. It's just simply saying that if you come in here and you buy a steak, you are not getting a halal animal. You know, the Mm. the animal will have been stunned presumably before its Mm. throat was cut and all that sort of thing. Clearly, Scott, you haven't been to How to Be Offended really easily. No, I don't think I have because I just don't understand what the offence is. Uh I was looking at the Secular Party Facebook page on this topic and some of the comments there. um, Kieran said, if they were genuinely trying merely to be factual, they'd have gone with not halal certified to begin with. It is disingenuous to suggest non-halal certified wasn't intended as a dig at Muslims. And Trissy said, spot on, there's a world of difference between the use of non and not. It's clear as day that the non-halal label was a smart-ass backhander and, yes, it's disingenuous to suggest otherwise. Oh, I don't uh, understand. No. 
To me, when I hear non-used, okay, maybe poor grammar, you know, it would have been better to say not because I think grammatically it would be more accurate. But non is normally um, refers to the absence of something mm. when it's used in front of another word. Mm. And merely just saying the absence of halal certification doesn't, doesn't make it worse. Yeah. In How my many life? members of, of the general public walking past that shop mm. would really think about the difference between non and not? You know? yeah. How many would even bother trying to think, oh, they've changed it from non to not? What's the difference, you know? Yeah, I just don't get it. Yeah, there's very, very little difference, even grammatically. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think he was having a bit of a dig. He might have been. In any case. But why shouldn't he? I think not halal certified is just as much a dig as non-halal certified. And good luck to him if he wants to have a dig. Well, it's his shop. Not is more final, isn't it? It says not halal mm. certified, yeah. whereas non-halal... Basically means this sh- the, the meat in this shop is not halal certified. Mm. Yeah, which is not halal, yeah, I but mean, the non-halal... Surely he's that entitled. That would be the same sort of thing, wouldn't it? He's entitled to do that, isn't he? Mm. Andrew in the chat room says there's plenty of products that are labelled non-GMO, genetically yes. modified, non-GMO yes. uh, food. So that's interesting. Hmm. Right. Ah, but you see, GMOs, they're evil. They are. Because they were introduced by Monsanto. Exactly. <laughs> what, you're not going to attack them for being the bastions of capitalism? Well, <laughs> no, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole just now. <laughs> did, but did Monsanto invent GMO? Well, they didn't invent GMO. They just right. they found ways of actually speeding the whole process up rather right. than breeding and that sort of stuff. They just went in and spliced yeah. the genes. Because as true capitalists, they would have found the technology and the science uh, produced by um, you know, universities and then would have... Um, Blue sky um, research. Bought and it and siloed it and then... Um, monetized it. Yes, that would have been what they probably did. But anyway, and that's probably what they did do. Digress. Well, it's a free enterprise system. They're entitled to do that. Well, if somebody will let them, but they shouldn't be allowed to. Why not? Well, what happens is we give away technology and patents to oh, these see. groups. At, well, they should and, have bought and, it at a and, and, decent market price. They should yeah. have bought the, bought the technology yeah. and that money should have gone back into universities for further research on something. Yeah, yeah, but it doesn't. It just yeah, they, they, doesn't. They, you know, they mm. buy they buy them they buy them for a dollar, mm. and then, like Trevor says, sell they do sell them and then they sell yeah. it for a billion dollars yeah. down the track. Yeah. Mm. Oh. Well, it's a good profit margin anyway. It's a very good profit margin, right? Andrew's our grain expert. Actually, he says also there's lots of non-Monsanto GM cultivars such as the open source golden rice. Oh, we'll have to get Andrew on to nice. talk about it. Yeah. Golden rice is associated with India, isn't it? And mm. the, um, I mean, there was there was quite a. a a significant advance in, in, in terms of yields of, of rice. Oh, no, it wasn't about yield. That was the, the previous rice revolution in India where they increased production. But golden rice is about vitamin, isn't it? Is it vitamin A, I think? I no, know. I did read this. There is a vitamin something or other. That yeah, they, it's they, a vitamin A. Yeah. B or A, I think it's vitamin A. I think it's A, That yeah. they've, they've, you know, manipulated the genes so that the rice actually produces more of this vitamin oh, okay. for, you know, right. impoverished yeah. consumers so yeah. that they actually get a, a better vitamin intake from their daily rice, mm. which was a very good thing, I think. Yeah, very clever. Yeah. Yeah, provided there's no downsides. Yeah. 
Well, there's only been one study that actually found a downside, and that was where they fed rats a diet of nothing but genetically modified potatoes. Right. And they end up developing cancer. Yeah. But there's never been any follow-up study to find out did they develop cancer because of the GMO or did they develop cancer because they're only eating potatoes? You know? Indeed. Golden rice is vitamin A. Vitamin A, there, there you go. go. Thank you, chat room. Right, still on free speech issues. Uh, images on TV in an ad showing menstrual blood. Did you see these ads at all? I did see them. Mm, what do you think? I thought it was about time that, mm. you know, the taboo of talking about women's menstrual issues and things is, uh, you know, the taboo is just thrown out the window because it's ridiculous. It's, mm. I mean, you know, I, don't, I couldn't claim to be an expert on the subject, but it seems to me it's just a natural part of female physiology. And yet um, well, for many, many years it was sort of secret women's business, wasn't it, in mm. a lot of places? Well, well ad standards in between looking at the butcher shop also mm. received... 600 complaints. Oh, really? About this advertisement by Libra showing blood on their on their products. Yeah, yeah but there was I didn't have a problem with it either because it's just a natural part of a woman's life. That's right. And you know, there was apparently a shot in the shower when they showed blood going down the legs, yeah. down this woman's legs. Yeah. Mm. It's a natural thing that women have to put up with. What happens? Yeah. Mm. Next thing you, you know, they'll be showing showing a bloke pissing in the shower. No. Oh, sorry. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, Doctor Elizabeth Farrell, medical director of Women's Healthcare Service, uh, said the idea that when a woman is menstruating, she is tainted or should feel embarrassed when she's having her period is centuries old and absolutely ridiculous. It is. It's rubbish. Yeah. And it, it impacts on women in some cultures much more severely than it does in ours, in fact. Yeah. You know, in cultures where women are expected to, you know, keep their distance from the rest of the family and even things like not prepare food for the family. Uh, there have been cases in Nepal that I've read about where women who were sent to stay in these little little huts little really rough they were like dog kennels and uh you know on a cold night they've sort of made a little fire to keep warm and then suffocated on the yeah. uh, on the fumes you mm. know things like that mm. so it's a and i've i read a very good paper written by a nepalese atheist actually uh some time back maybe a year a year or two ago and he was really trying to um, break down the taboo in Nepal. Yes, and, you know. Yes, these women having to go off into a little hut. Yeah, having their period. Terrible. Terrible. Mm. Interesting. Like this woman here said, you know, the idea that a woman should be embarrassed about this is centuries old and absolutely ridiculous. And the left would be quite happy with that comment. Yeah. But in our previous story about. Uh, Kyle Sanderlands and the Virgin Mary, if somebody said, well, the idea that Mary was a virgin is centuries old and absolutely ridiculous, yeah. people would go, well, you can't say that. Indeed. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Some right. topics still are taboo, aren't they? Mm. Still on free speech, your friend Jacinta mm -hmm. in Coffs Harbour. Yeah. When, she tried, when she had a speaking engagement in yeah, Coffs Harbour. something Harbor. happened in Coffs Harbour. I didn't mm. get the details of that. You I, did, I, I did. take it. Let me tell you. So the 
Coffs Harbour City Council was aware that the local Indigenous community had concerns about her speaking engagement. Quote, in keeping with the Council's commitment to the traditional and customary protocols of our Indigenous community members, Council suggested to Ms Price's representatives that she seek permission from the local Gumbangir Aboriginal community to come onto country. Gosh. I thought we were living in a liberal democracy. <laughs> so she wasn't banned, but they said you should get permission from the local Indigenous tribe. Cowtowing to That's superstition. That's a load of garbage, isn't it? Really? I mean, like it's, it's, she's a citizen of this country. That's right. And she should be able to speak wherever she yeah. can find a venue. They found a venue, and yet they wanted to. They wanted her to, to seek, seek permission, permission from the local indigenous tribe. They didn't ban her, but they said you need to seek permission yeah. as a matter of you know. And did showing she? Respect. Do you know if what I she, think did? she did? No. So, and good on her. Yeah, uh, she refused to do it. So she didn't do it in Brisbane yeah. either. And yeah. we saw the uh, outcome of that, didn't we, Scott? Mm-hmm. Where a couple, at least a couple yeah. of local indigenous people showed up, and then. Uh, for about five, ten minutes, disrupted the uh, talk. Yeah, yeah. So she refused. Good on you, Jacinta. Mm. So I disagree with you on your crazy right-wing economic policies. But What crazy right-wing economic policies does she have? Oh, she's very... Um, uh, she is very much a right-winger. Yeah. I'd like to any economic that policy verified. That you want to think of, uh, she would be, you know... Does she want to send children down the coal mines and stuff like that? Yeah. I thought so. Yeah. So, almost. Yeah. Um, so, there we go. There was a bunch of free speech things there. Kyle Sanderlands speaking his mind, having to apologise. Well done, Kyle, yeah. for a change. I honestly um, believe he was right. Yeah. yeah. You know? And he was right and he should have said it if he wanted to. But he was pressured into kowtowing. Yes. Uh, uh, the butcher with the non-halal certified... Uh, the menstrual blood ad and Jacinta. Um, interesting with all this, um, it's really come from the community, not so much laws as such. So, you know, Kyle wasn't being dragged before a court. The butcher wasn't. It was just a ad standards group who mm. couldn't do anything about it. Mm. Um did they have Same any, the any legal means of pressuring it? No, but um, I don't think so. Mm. And um, and Jacinta wasn't forced to ultimately. But mm. a lot of these things sort of are coming from the community mm. rather than a law as such. Yeah, interesting. Which makes me always reflect on that book Fahrenheit four five one. Yeah, where people were burning books, and. It wasn't because the government was telling them to burn books. Mm. It was because... They wanted to burn them. Yes, because books were causing um, disagreement amongst people. Mm. And so Fahrenheit 451... Uh, I'm yet to read that. Yeah, it does it sh- sound very good. It is good. Um, and it went back... It's, something, it's like 50 years old, something like that. Yeah. I've got, I did have... Ah, published in 1953, mm. even more. Ni- 1953... Mm. And a quote from the book here as to why they were um, banning books and why the people were doing it. Quote, you must understand that our civilization is so vast that we can't have our minorities upset and stirred. Ask yourself, what do you want in this country above all? People want to be happy. 
isn't that right? Coloured people don't like Little Black Sambo, burn it. White people don't feel good about Uncle Tom's cabin, burn it. Somebody's written a book on tobacco and cancer of the lungs. The cigarette people are weeping, burn the book. Serenity, Montag, peace, Montag, take your fight outside, better yet, to the incinerator. And that was in 1953. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. Right. Uh, I've never been to Bali. I have absolutely no desire to go. And no, I don't want to go either. I've been. Right. I went back in 1980. Right. And... Um, did you have any unmarried sex while you were there? It's none of your business. Well, well <laughs> if you went now, it yeah. is somebody's business. <laughs> it is indeed. Yes. So um, the bar, well, the Indonesians were looking at passing a law. Um, under these proposed changes, sex outside of marriage, including all same-sex relations, will be illegal and you could be thrown in an Indonesian jail mm. for participating in that. Yeah. And they're also making it illegal to criticise the president yep. and to spread communist ideology. Well, we know what happened to the communists in the 1960s in mm. Indonesia. Uh, also criminalised fake news, bestiality and black magic. So take your pick amongst a, a, bunch, amongst a bunch of sins there. Mm. But... Um, and so immediately the government had to issue a travel warning saying, oh, looks like these are going to be passed. Now, they've mm. held off passing those laws. Yeah. I, but it shows the influence of the deputy president, doesn't it? Jokowi chose a, a, a Muslim uh, scholar or Muslim, you know, imam, is he? I don't know. But he's, he's right. a, definitely a, reli- a religious man mm. as his running mate in the last election mm-hmm. to placate concerns that he wasn't, you know, religious enough. Mm. And I think this is the result of that. You know, this guy has sort of, is now getting his payback Mm. for helping Jokowi become president again for a second term. Yeah. It really wouldn't surprise me. The head of Bali's tourism board played down the implications of the new laws to foreign tourists and said, Mm. quote, Bali has always welcomed all tourists. We will continue to do so, even with a new penal code. So, yeah. welcome. Yeah. And it's this somebody, direction. Somebody this direction. made the quip that, you know, some foreign tourists might get a free holiday in, what's yeah. the name of the prison? Karakaban yeah. Prison or yeah. whatever it's called. Yeah. Indeed. Mm. It's a worry. Yep. Uh, as you know, I like to rail against private schools. I, Invariable light on our society. In Brisbane, one of the biggest, most well-known is Churchy. And do you guys read this one, hear about this one? I did hear about this, yeah. Mm. It's um, pretty bloody crook. Yeah. What happened at Churchy? So furious parents, including big financial donors and third-generation old boys, um, have slammed Anglican Church Grammar School because they're being discriminatory about enrolments. And some they're of trying these, to keep out the poor people or something. Well, they're trying to keep out the not-so-bright kids. Really? Mm. Oh, that's interesting. So there was this parent who had been to church himself and his, his granddaddy had and he wanted his children to go and in the meeting, you know, writing the checks and handing over his cash and said, oh, by the way, my boy's got dyslexia, just wondering how we're going to handle that. And they oh said, oh, hang on a minute here. What? 
dyslexia, it's probably best off at some other school, yeah. uh, not here. No. And they'd, so already, just, they'd already enrolled his older brother. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So they were prepared to split the family up. Yes. Quote from the parent, never in our wildest dreams did we think he'd be discriminated against. And being told Churchy was not the school for him, I was in tears. Goodness me. You want to put your kid into an elitist school these days and they want to discriminate against you. What's the world coming to? <laughs> well, don't they understand what elitist means? Yeah. Don't so. they understand that money is supposed to buy you exactly. immunity from discrimination? Yes, exactly. See, you know, ironic. It's you know, ironic. It is very ironic. And, you know, it's you know, when I was at school and that sort of shit, we had to do all these practice exams ready for ASAT and blah, 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 blah. And I remember talking to some guys when I first came down here to Brisbane and they said, oh, that's, that's bloody awful that you guys were so prepared. I said, mm-hmm. why? I said, you know, they just decided to prepare us, that's all. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, it didn't happen like that in my school. And I thought to myself, mm-hmm. well, that's your school's fault, not mine, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but when you read that, then church has taken it to a new level. But you also hear stories now where they're saying to the kids who aren't so academically gifted, maybe you should take the week off, come, you know, with the Yeah, with I the, know, when, the, when, the, when the exam comes yeah. up, yeah. So, yeah. Schools now compete to get yeah. high, high scores, don't yeah. they? Mm. And it's certainly of uh, some of the girls' private schools were infamous for saying to uh, the less academic girls, look, don't even try for an OP. Go for this other program where you don't get an OP, oh. you get some certificate score. You can still get into uni through backdoor methods and yeah. it just gets them off the OP books. Mm. So they were doing that to sort of dodge so it doesn't bring the average well. down. Yeah. And they could say X percentage of our students achieved OPs of this range. Mm. Um, and they did it because a large percentage of their students were actually off the OP system itself. That's what goes on. Mm. Right. Uh, the environment. We don't talk about the environment much. We're not real in... I mean, obviously concerned about it. Obviously, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm definitely concerned about it. It's not a topic that it. we deal with a lot compared mm. to other things. Mm. So, we uh, should probably remedy that. Yeah, we should. Let's do a little bit of that now. So there's been some protests. But let's set the record... Just mm. absolutely clear here, we are not climate denialists, yes. climate change denialists. Yes, it just doesn't seem to be a lot to say other than, of course... Do you find people, like, if you're, if you're not towing the standard uh, dogmatic leftist line on stuff, do you, th- do you find people seem to assume that you're, you know, you hold a lot of right-wing views, such oh. as climate change denialism? I normally set people straight on my views pretty quickly, so... I'm I don't, sure I, you would. I don't really have that issue. Okay. <laughs> I'm the same as Trevor, I don't have that problem either. I just let people know. Pretty much at dinner parties and stuff, they're begging to say, stop talking, (laughs) I I know what your views are, okay. Who else is here I can talk to? (laughs) Who invited Trevor? Exactly. He's that opinionated guy over there all the time, (laughs) trying to get me to sign up to his podcast. So anyway, uh, on the environment, we've had some protests and good turnouts. So 100,000 people turned up at the Melbourne. And they weren't all school kids, were they? No. So that's a lot. Yeah. Um, Sydney, 80,000. Brisbane, 30,000. Um, yeah, 30,000 people. If only we could get a fraction of that number to attend an anti-religious discrimination bill. Right? We're, we're lucky to get 200. <laughs> lucky to get 20, I'd say. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. But I 
had to agree with the education minister. What was his name? Tian, is it? And he said... <laughs> we can yeah. agree with Tian. No, I did have to agree with Tian, where he yeah. said... Um, he said, I would be very interested to see what the turnout would be if the protest was held on a Saturday afternoon yeah. rather than the Friday yeah. afternoon. I think he has a point. I think he's got a very good point, you know. I do take Trevor's point that, um, you know, you're not going to miss much school for taking a Friday afternoon off. But I honestly believe if these kids were genuinely concerned about the environment, then they would protest on a Saturday afternoon rather than the Friday afternoon. But, you know, how many people attending these charity lunches would attend if it wasn't a nice spread of the lunch, you know. Like, there's all sorts of things that entice people to do social activism because of little things along yeah. the way. So, yeah. So yeah, are I we going agree. to talk about Greta? Yes, talk about Greta. Mm. What do you think? Yeah, I think that she's... Um, Greta Thunberg we're mm-hmm. talking yeah, about. Yeah, I think she's Swedish going... Swedish girl. Yeah, she's a Swedish girl. She's 16 years old. Mm. And she's the face of the whole protest movement right now. Mm. Um, I gather she's in New York, is she, currently? Yeah, she went on a, a, a super-duper modern um, solar-powered yacht mm. that some people claimed was carbon neutral. Now it would be carbon neutral. Pro- producing all the materials would have used up some sort of carbon uh, resources. Absolutely. Well, what if the price included the planting of a forest somewhere yeah, as th- a carbon offset. I think that's a bit bogus, frankly, don't you? Well, I, I don't know. But does it matter? Does it matter whether it was a, it was a carbon neutral trip across? Like, Well, she so, made a big deal out of it because she said she was not going to fly because right. it burns too many fossil fuels. Right. And in but, fact, but, she but, has persuaded but, her parents to give up flying. Right. But well, isn't that sort of a good symbolic thing to sort of to make people think? Yeah, Maybe. I mean, Isn't I think that the whole point of these I, things I that think they're, it's good they're that PR people, exercises, they're yeah. publicity exercises. It's good that people mm. think about the consequences of their consumption choices. Mm. But mm. what about Greta uh, as a spokesperson for the climate change movement? You know? I honestly believe that she's in danger of being not being used by adults mm. and that sort of thing. And it really wouldn't surprise me if they cut her adrift at some point Mm. and she's not going to have a very good study results or anything like that because she's given up all this time to protest. Yeah, she's obviously quite an intelligent girl. Absolutely. And uh, she speaks very forcefully. Absolutely. But most of what she says is just pure rhetoric, isn't it? It's, It's... I mean, she's a rhetorician. She's uh, not a scientist. It, it may well be rhetoric, but the rhetoric is because it's already been established science. Mm. The, the, the fact is the climate is changing and the fact is it's because of human, yeah, except, human interaction. Except she doesn't – well, I don't know. I haven't listened to her that much, but my impression is she doesn't come out and, and tell people facts, scientific facts. She makes alarming rhetoric like, you know, the, the, the planet is burning. I want you to act like your house is on fire because it is. You know, she says things like this. But is that a bad thing? If she's the motivator and the, and the cheerleader and it's other people provide the facts, isn't that isn't, – doesn't somebody perform a role in this? Like we can't all be just okay, – and if she was a cold, factual rationalist, nobody would care. Okay, but what? if she can produce 
the sort of um, response that she has, you'd have to say, well done for performing your role. Maybe, maybe. And I'm not saying it's all bad, but I think there's the danger that she will uh, cause considerable alarm and anxiety among very young children who are not equipped to make a, a rational assessment but, of the but situation. But arguably they should be alarmed. Uh, the planet is not burning, Trevor. No, you, no, you probably noticed no, when you got up this morning. No, but... but when she says things like this and other young children hear a girl, a young yeah, girl saying... Yeah. Actually, there was bushfires in the Sunshine Coast that would, you know... Yeah. The planet was burning at that point if you were in the Sunshine Coast. Not the whole Coast. planet. No, but, you know... No, you this know, kind of alarmist rhetoric what, what, can be a little bit over the top sometimes. Well, is it alarmist, though? It is alarmist. Well... Julia in the chat room says um, that Greta is citing the IPCC reports. Well, good for her if she mm. does that. Mm. But I think she should tone and, down the rhetoric a bit. Ah, well, just then nobody will pay attention. Well, they the, might. The just the fact that she's a young girl, they probably pay attention. Yeah. And the fact that it's been well publicised that she has certain issues, if right. I can put it that way. But, but if her role is to publicise and get people motivated... If that's her role, you'd have to give her a 10 out of 10. And, and you know, people can then investigate the science more carefully mm. and go and listen to scientists. But if, if her role is to motivate and make people aware, particularly young people, mm -hmm. she can't be everything to everybody. Mm, that's true. I think. Mm. So, yeah, look, I don't think it's all bad by any means. I think, mm. I think uh, you know, she has a role in the whole... In the yeah. grand scheme of things. You know, and it's like with... You need people at – I'm not saying she is at the extreme, but mm. you need people to push the boundaries of debate in mm. their own way mm. so um, so that the centre then moves in that direction. Yeah. So we get, you know, in our religious freedom debate, we mm. get the ACL saying this religious freedom bill is not strong enough, it's terribly weakened, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and they're sort of pushing that yeah. side which performs a function for that – side of the argument in that it makes people think, oh, well, mm. maybe it's not strong enough. Yeah. And I think you've got to give her... Yeah, I'm, um, I'm just a little wary of uh, allowing children, you know, to right. take, take the, the stage on, you know, really big, important global issues like right. that. I think it's, it's up to adults to, to take on these issues, you know. And I agree mm. with you because but, I can't see that Greta Thunberg in six years' time, if she was 23 right mm. now, mm. I can't see her being introduced to Barack Obama the way he introduced himself to mm. her. I think that the whole thing of utilising children and that type of thing, I just think it... Um, I think it's emotionally manipulative. Absolutely. What well, are you saying? It's exploitive absolutely, of her. Absolutely. It's very exploitive it's, Well, it's her. manipulative. You know how they but, use kittens in, you know, to sell toilet paper or whatever, you know. It's using children to, to, to address, to motivate people for big important issues is manipulative, emotionally manipulative. Um, mm. if, if, you know, I think we've had this discussion about, you know, shouldn't we be asking experts? When we have a problem, who should we be asking? Experts. Yeah, but and we should be getting more and more experts, giving them airtime to get up and talk to people. But she's the one saying, we have a problem. Now look at what the experts are saying. Yeah. So she that's is. what she, her role is. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, who's the next child to get on the bandwagon and say, oh, gee, she did all right, you know? 
I think I could be the next Greta Thunberg, you know. Mm. We'll we'll have a we'll have a rash of children oh, standing slippery, up the slippery slope of celebrity of celebrity, <laughs> of celebrity teenagers. Yeah. Is yeah. that is that the problem? It here? could be <laughs> sixteen. Sure. I mean, yeah, but she's, she's you know she she's, apparently she's not, she's not she, baby. First, she first started when she was eight. She said she first realised that there was a problem with global warming when she was eight. How yeah. on earth was she? intellectually equipped at the age of eight to make such a, you know, a judgment about the world. And, and why you know, not? I mean, it's, I don't know if She wouldn't have true. had a sophisticated idea about it. I don't but, know uh, if it's true, but, you know, um, what was her name? Brooke Shields? You remember Brooke Shields, the actress? Yes. Do you know why she became an actress? Because her mother was an actress. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, Greta Thunberg's uh, mother was is, a, is an opera singer. She's given up her international jet-setting opera career because Greta convinced her not to fly on planes anymore. She's p- apparently persuaded the whole family to go vegan. Um, she's a persuasive individual. She's a very persuasive girl. But I I'm, get the I'm, feeling I'm, that, you know, I mean, I don't know. I really don't know. But there's a possibility that she is acting out to please her parents. We don't know. It, there's some deep psychological stuff going on in that family. Very deep. <laughs> you don't know. Well, I've read a little bit about it. No, you, there was, you, a, there was an article. Bolt? Huh? Andrew Bolt? Is that what you've... Because he was saying... No, no, like, no, 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 no. Not Andrew Bolt. No, right. I read an article by a... But, I think it was a, a, a Swedish or Norwegian journalist wrote an article about her. Right. In fact, wrote a book. Someone wrote a book about her and they, right. they, they delved into her but, but life no, history and her no family dynamics. No it's an unusual family because kids... Don't emerge from normal, well, normal, but your ever, average everyday suburban family and take the stage like that. Mm. So often, kids who are prodigies or whatever have mm. got some sort of driving parents or something, yeah. some pedigree there that mm. leads to it. But that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Not it just means that that's thing. the sort of kid who ends up in that position. I'm just saying this is not your average family. And she that, also but, has but, a sister. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Like you her can't s- say that's a bad thing. Her sister also has issues. Issues? Yes, psychological issues. Right. Yep. Quite severe ones. Okay, in, in okay but well, even if they do, mm. the fact that they're being channelled into uh, a this sort of thing, constructive yeah. thing, like if you've got a kid who's, you know, a little bit on the spectrum mm. or whatever, mm. but you can then channel them into this extremely important role, mm-hmm. great. So, okay. Yeah. What if Greta's next project is uh, what? turning the world vegan? What? How will you respond to her then? But you know what? We can always argue with her and say, if she says something wrong on the environment, we can say, well, you're wrong on that. Mm-hmm. Criticise her. But people are right afraid on these other to criticise her. Well, that's their problem. It that's, might that's, be. That's their problem. But and, I saw a response. And, and there's enough on the other side who are prepared to lie and cheat and do whatever to maintain that global warming's a myth, mm-hmm. that we need as many voices as we can on the other side. Yeah. So... Um, and, of course, we all believe global warming is a, is a real thing. Yes. But, um, look... Just, I just... I'm surprised. On the Secular no, Party I'm not Facebook page. because you are so contrarian. Well, yeah. Yeah. you know, that's what I'm here for. Yeah. But on the Secular Party <laughs> Facebook page, there was an article about her family. Yeah. And it wasn't critical of Greta at all. Yeah. Yeah. It really wasn't. Yeah. In fact, the, the, the writer was quite sympathetic. 
but was just questioning whether you know she was really um, perhaps being used by adults for their own purposes or whatever or or not being used at all but perhaps it was it was adults responsibility to care for her more than sort of let her you know leap out onto the world stage and you know perhaps be exposed to stresses what, what, that might not be what, good for what her. if what if the forces like the tony abbotts and the andrew bolts of the world mm. don't like the fact that this girl is actually being successful in advocating oh. and they were trying to shut her down uh, yeah look wouldn't, to me wouldn't, they're, wouldn't, they're wouldn't that irrelevant. be what you'd say they're irrelevant but, but look but, what but i was going to say but, no, but there's a fight mm. there is a fight between the forces who want to deny climate change mm-hmm. And here's an advocate who's come out and yeah. being very effective. Yeah, yeah. Of course, they're going to play the man and not the ball yeah, and sure. say, oh, you know. Yeah, look, I agree that's true. Mm. But look, when that article came up on the Secular Party Facebook page, mm. a whole lot of people reacted. It got a big reaction. In what way? Mostly negative. Mostly people said, uh, saying things like, oh, leave Greta alone. How dare you attack Greta? And it wasn't an attack on her at all. Right. So it just shows that people assume that people are having a go at her. Mm. You know, assume that the purpose of, of the person putting the article up on the Facebook page was to bring Greta down. And the article wasn't about bringing Greta down at all. Yeah, well, people don't read the... Exactly. People don't read the... They don't read the it. Yeah. They don't read it. And they say, how dare you attack Greta, you know? Mm. And it wasn't an attack on Greta. Mm. So people make uh, those sorts of assumptions too, don't they, yeah. from the other side? Yeah. From the left, I have to say. Mm. So anyway, it's an interesting time. Mm. And Very. arguably those people who are uh, against sort of climate change action mm. um, are motivated to speak poorly mm. against her and would be worried about the effect that she's having. Yeah. And look, you know, I'm not by any means against mm. people who speak up about climate change action. Mm. I'm all in favour of it. Mm. But uh, I'm not really on board with children, mm. especially young, very young children. And, you know, when I see the, the news about the, the protest on Friday and I see these groups of very young kids, like primary, primary school age kids, and they've they got these signs that, you know, whoever their parents or whoever has helped them make, you know, and they're having a great old time. For them, they're having a great old time. You know, intellectually, they were not engaged in this issue. I don't, I don't believe, you know, like a 10-year-old kid, give me a break, you know. They're just not life experienced and intellectually, uh, they don't have the intellectual wherewithal to really grasp the issue as it needs to be grasped by the adults of the world. Right. Uh, I'm not entirely sure I agree with you. I mean, you I don't have to. I know, and that's fine. But I, I just think, he usually agrees with me. Though. No, I know that, but I, I just think to myself. Usually, both of us, but, but I put in both camps. Yeah, in some I just think in an issue like this that is so important for humanity. Yeah. Then I don't think that we can ignore the kids, but I do honestly believe that Greta Thunberg has been placed into a very invidious situation. Mm that she's not going to be able to deal with it. Mm. So it might, might You've cause got no her harm. idea. Might Sorry? cause her harm. You've got no idea. No idea at all. But 
No, we so could. Sitting we... back at home in a normal school environment might cause a harm. Like you got no, <laughs> like you got no idea. And you know that's an interesting point you make because she has publicly said since she got involved in this uh, climate change activism, she her psychological condition has improved. She's right. she's less depressed. She used to be very depressed. Yes, and 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 she was uh, non-verbal to strangers. Right, she there wouldn't you... talk to strangers. There you go. So she said her psychological condition has, in fact, improved since she... Good therapy for her. ...became famous and a spokesman on the world stage. Yeah. Yeah, but what's going to happen to her by the time she's 21? Don't know. Yeah. Let's wait and see. Mm. She'll be thrown out on the scrap heap. No, but sorry, I just don't like the idea of pushing little primary school-aged children, you know, into protests. But they don't have to understand all of the technicalities of the protest issue... But if, the, if they just get a sense that what mum and dad do is they protest stuff and they pay attention to the world and, they, and they, um, that's a thing that they do mm. and maybe I'll grow up and do the same thing, mm. then it achieves a purpose. Like they don't have to understand everything. It's like part of the family business is we're protesters and we... And we do you want protest to be just something you do because mum and dad does it or do you want something that people do because they have a, but, but, a conviction? But at that age you can't expect much other than... That's why I don't uh, think other, they should be there. Uh, but, but, it, but it does normalise for them the idea that you are involved in your community and you are a participant and you don't just sit back and let it all happen. Mm. Like we're, we are complaining that we only got 200 people protesting the anti-religious bill. Mm. But if... Maybe in five years' time, we'll have whole might, schools. Protest. You might have more because some kids go protest. That's something I do. It's something we do, and I'm going to go. Like, no, yeah, no. I think that you've got to have people engaged in the topic. I think so too. I well, think that adults got to do. Yeah, Otherwise, adults what do. credibility does the protest have if it's just people out there for a good time? But, well, you're expecting the adults to to be encompassing the issues and you don't expect the children to be. You expect the children are there because they've been taken by their parents and I given think, a good dose of... I think most of the kids are following the herd, you know, okay. frankly. All right. Well, I agree. That's why I think if it was held on a Saturday afternoon, you wouldn't have got yeah. 100,000 people sitting over I would totally approve of a kid's protest on a Saturday afternoon if that's what they feel passionate about. Mm. And they're passionate enough to give up a Saturday afternoon to to do it. Because you really don't like the idea of kids giving up school. I don't really. You're right. Yeah, Mm. I think kids need to learn about the world before they start... um, Trying to change it. Trying to change it, yeah. Mm. We've already been through that. I won't go through that again. Mm. Um, (laughs) So, um, still on the environment, apparently Barnaby Joyce was our special drought envoy. Yeah, he hasn't Mm. done anything. And he never wrote a single written report. That's about, right. About he his didn't, did he? He sent yeah. a bunch of texts, though. Yeah. Doesn't uh, that count? A bunch look, of text messages? I think. I think what, he's, to his girlfriend? No, to the Prime Minister, was it? Or to some bureaucrat? I'm not sure who he sent them to. He says he sent some text messages and spoke directly. But I, I think he was busy because. I've just I just found one of our old recordings from Raju Singh. And. <laughs> and uh, you know, Barnaby's got to be excused because he was very busy there in yeah, Armadale. Cut so Barnaby some slack. Just sit back and we'll just re- revisit what happened with Raju and Barnaby. I, Raju Singh, give thanks 
for this wonderful townhouse in Armadale. Oh, let me see who my neighbour in number 69 is. Mr Barnaby Joyce. I have heard of this good Christian man, this man of family values. Let me listen and see if the great man is at home. Oh, Mr. Joyce, good to see that your Christian and family values are still strong like bull. Oh, Mr. Joyce, I thought you had renounced your New Zealand citizenship. Yes, Mr. Joyce, grab the pussy, grab the pussy. (laughs) Oh, a cop in bed with you, Mr. Joyce? Oh, I guess Matthew 7, 1, I should not judge. <laughs> not you too, Ganesh. <laughs> thanks, Roger. He's, he's, thanks very much, Roger. No, he's got an excuse. With all that going on, <laughs> how could he write a report on the special drought, as a special drought envoy? You know, yeah. Watley attended uh, the protest. Um uh, in rural New South Wales. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, see, as he was looking at it, he thought in terms of kids' participation, there was lots of kids from the Steiner and Waldorf school compared to the normal high school. That's so, a salad, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so the Steiner schools are those. I hadn't heard of the Waldorf school before. I haven't but, either. But I gather they're more that sort of alternative style of schooling. So, you've heard of it before. Yeah, you've heard of Steiner School. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's interesting that parents who send their kids to a Steiner School mm. would be more likely to encourage their kids to. Yeah, they tend to be more sort of, yeah. how should we say? Involved in the community. Alternative culture right. oriented. Yeah. Uh, anyway, started off with the um, Aboriginal um, sort of welcome to country and all mm. that in terms of the speeches. But, how unsurprising yeah. is that? But he did say that there was... Um, <laughs> You know, some good speeches by some young people there that were quite impressive. So, um, and he talked about a 12-year-old who was a very brave natural speaker and um, it spoke very well, pulled it off like a pro. So, um, uh, yeah, so good opportunity for some kids to get involved. Mm. Look, I'm all in favour of kids Mm. being... You know, having community consciousness and learning about the world and, you know, feeling like uh, they have some, what would you say, a stake in yeah. the community and in You're never too young to improving start. the world. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I'm yeah. in favour of that. Yeah. Um, right. Um, Eric, well, The Conversation is a news website which is basically articles by academics with a kind of a newsy, easy-to-read style about them. Pretty pretty leftist influence as well, I have to say. So they've made a decision, as have some other outlets, that they're no longer going to allow articles which deny climate change. (laughs) Okay. So, what happened to academic uh, freedom of speech? Um, So, they say, we're not silencing comments. Um, They've had several years in which they've been able to make those comments. Um, Because the arguments haven't changed and the evidence hasn't changed, we think they've had their chance for their say. And 
we're committed to presenting the evidence accurately in a way that keeps readers informed. Um, so they're basically saying that the science is settled about climate change and we're not going to give airtime to people who want to come on and poo-poo it. That's the thing about science. Mm-hmm. It's always open to change, always right. open to but, but as a curator, improvement. But as a curator of a magazine-style website or whatever, mm. are you entitled to say, well, you know what, that's just bullshit. Yeah, of course they're entitled. Yeah. So that's just what they decide just to as, do. you know, we're entitled yeah. to decide mm. who comes on the podcast. Yes, and we sift through articles and, yeah. Yeah, and we screen out so many applicants, don't we? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that we don't really right. approve of. Well, we obviously screen out a lot of articles. So, anyway, that's what they've done. Uh, Erica Betts heard of that decision and compared the conversation website to Hitler, Stalin, <laughs> and Mao. Wow, mm. that's a bit over the top. Yep, he said Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin, and Mao Zedong couldn't have put it better themselves. They'd what? be very proud. To so superciliously, superciliously, and arrogantly deny a voice to an alternative point of view is reminiscent of totalitarian regimes, according to Erica Betts. Erica Betts is an idiot because, you know, like you said, the science (coughs) is settled. And, you know, the only argument is how we're going to respond to the problem Mm. that we have created. Mm. And that is the only thing that I think the conversation has got any reason to publish is they could argue they they can put forward the different arguments and that sort of stuff you know do we want to involve geo uh, engineering do we want to go 100 percent renewable blah 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 yeah you know but the other thing that erica betts is wanting them to argue about is nonsense yeah well he's uh He's, a, he's an ideologue. He's a conservative a, Christian ideologue. Mm-hmm. But look, I, I have a bit of a problem with the term the science is settled, I have to say. Because science should never be completely settled. Science should be always open to uh, change well, if further evidence warrants a change. Yeah, and so I perhaps they should say something like the science is conclusive. At yeah. the, you know, at the well, moment, the science is conclusive. That was my words, actually. Oh, was it? Yeah. Good so, on you, Trevor. There you go. I'm, I'm with you on that one, right, okay. rather than say. <laughs> okay. No, I think I just used the, the phrase, the science is settled. I wasn't quoting them when I said that. No, but a lot of people do say that. Right. I've heard that a number of times. Hmm. Right. Um, indigenous issues. In the Kimberley, Christian missionaries are causing problems in Outback mm. Australia. Promising to bring people back from the dead and promoting the idea traditional Aboriginal culture is a type of devil worship. Mm. So um, there's an article here about dramatic scenes in the Kimberley region where Aboriginal followers of a Tongan-born preacher have set fire to Indigenous artefacts considered Mm. sacred by many local elders Mm. and have dismantled and burnt a spiritual law ground. So... Basically, this Tongan-born Christian preacher has come in and converted mm. a bunch of them to Christianity, yeah. claiming all sorts of, well, Nonsense. the ability to bring people back from the dead um, as one thing uh, and is really sort of turning people away from their Indigenous spirituality. Um, some Aboriginal leaders are uh, have slammed what's happened here. So... Mm. Um, I've lost the chat room here. So you talk about that while I try and recover okay. what happened to my what chat room. What do you think, room. Scott? Well, 
you know, I can't believe that they tried to compare it to devil worship or anything <laughs> like that because, I mean, that was just an exercise in stupidity because that was – as soon as you mention the devil and that sort of thing and you mention anything negatively about Aboriginal people, mm. you're opening yourself up for abuse. So they've opened themselves up for abuse in that regard. Mm. So that was crazy. Yeah. Um, the other thing is that um, they're in probably the poorest part of the country. Now, I listened to this in background briefing on mm. Sunday. And they take a FPOS machine around to the churches. And they say, look, if you don't have cash, that's no problem at all. You can put your card through this. And I thought to myself, Jesus Christ, you know, these people have got no shame whatsoever mm. that they would expect people from the poorest of the poor to donate money, you know? You're right, they have no shame. they got no shame. they also got no understanding of human history either, have yeah. they? But, you know, as I said to a Christian, ex-Christian missionary once about his work in Africa, I said, but basically you just replaced one set of spooks with another set of spooks. But, Absolutely. But the, what annoyed me about it most was uh, destroying the cultural artefacts because even though I don't put any, you know, a magical uh, store in the, those things, they have... They got historical they have, significance. They yeah. have cultural significance and value to those people, and to to burn them. To burn them is just—it's uh, appalling, isn't it? Mm. You know, because yeah, there's a guy that had um, a whole group of weapons and that sort of stuff that have been handed down from generation. Yeah, and some to of generation. them are probably very, very old. Yeah, and they were burned. So they were, you know, almost. Well, they probably were museum pieces. Some of them. Mm. You know? And who knows, sometime in the future when our Indigenous brothers and sisters have left their devil worship behind and put these artefacts in a, you know, they might build their own museum, a cultural museum, and those things could have found a place in it, you know. Mm. So this preacher was a, um, a Pentecostal? Sure was, mm. similar to our friend Israel for mm. now. So... Uh, the locals dead. happily paid her food and accommodation so she could stay in the area for three years and she now lives in Sydney preaching at a Pentecostal church in Homebush. Oh, so she's not up in the Kimberley anymore? No, not at the moment, but she's gathering together more people to head back there. Probably. Yep. So Christian missionaries have a long history of trying to assimilate Aboriginal people in mm. the Kimberley uh, and discouraging their traditional religious beliefs. Mm -hmm. And there's a CEO from an Aboriginal corporation who says um, that they're destroying Aboriginal culture and people in the Kimberley are moving onto um, these churches. They're choosing them because they're more exciting and they will give them blessings. Mm. Um, and they promise stuff. Yes. Even if it's intangible, they still promise stuff. They promise that they'll have a better life. You know, if they come to Jesus, their life is bound to improve i mean it's a bit like morrison and his prosperity gospel type well religion it's um uh the pentecostalism flourishing in remote areas is based on a more literal interpretation of the bible and focuses on god's ability to affect real world change for followers mm. practices like being slain in the spirit with parishioners collapsing during prayer in religious ecstasy as well as speaking in tongues are increasingly common yeah um, and what they're also finding with these Pentecostal churches is they're often run by Africans, mm. 
obviously with black skin and that's allowing them oh, access into the communities yeah. because they're more trusted than white fellas coming yeah. in. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting, isn't it? So um, quoting one person here who's signed up for the new church, says, in this ministry, forward in faith, I found I changed my life, she said. Some years back, I was on dialysis for five and a half years and come 2011, I received a new kidney. So just believing God, this is a gift from him. Yep. Had nothing to do with the medical, medical technology. <laughs> That's right. And the doctors. And, and, and God forcing her to be on dialysis for five and a half years beforehand. Now, that was the devil that put her on dialysis. That's right, yeah. yeah. So God yeah. got her off. Yeah, so there we go. Uh, now, Jackie Lambie at some times has seemed like a strange voice of reason in the parliament. Rather, on, on she things. does. Yeah. <laughs> but not no, on this latest not, one. Not this latest one. I think she's completely lost it now. Yeah. Uh, We're looking at emergency service personnel and she's, yeah. she's considering a sort of a conscription-type regime. Forcing, oh, is she? Yes, yeah. forcing people to to work in emergency services as a... As kind of conscription. How do you force people to work in emergency services? Oh, as firefighters. Oh, y- yes. Yeah. yeah, you conscript them. Mm. So rather than rather, it'll be like the old national service, but rather than having to go off and do two years in the army, yeah. you go off and you give them a shovel and a hessian sack. Exactly, you go off and fight fires. <laughs> oh yep. dear. Uh, you know, you're not in favour, Scott. No, I'm not. I mean, you know. It's, I could be exposing some of my own Tory leanings here, but, you know, I do think that if you want to have a discussion around conscription and that sort of stuff, Mm. a case can be made Mm. for a compulsory national service for both men and women, Mm -hmm. you know, that when they finish school and that sort of stuff, they go into the Army or the Air Force or the Navy. Does it have to be military, do you think? Well, I don't know. This is the whole point. Mm. If you want to have that discussion, I'm more than happy to have that discussion. I still haven't made my mind up on it. Mm. But I do think that you can put a reasonable argument forward for it. Mm. However, I think that Jackie Lambie is just using this as she's, she's jumped on the bandwagon over New Start. She said that, you know, you could increase New Start and that sort of stuff for people that are part of this. Yeah, they already did increase New Start this week. Yeah, no, by two dollars something a week. No, it was less than two dollars. <laughs> yeah, it was, was a it? appalling amount of money. Yeah. Right. You didn't see that. Yeah. They just it just went up by the by the CPI, right. which yep. is bugger all. Went up by about a dollar sixty a week or something yep. ridiculous. Yeah. It's just you know a dollar sixty a week is nothing. It's ridiculous. And so if you've considered becoming a patron of the podcast for a mere dollar a week, <laughs> opportunity less, for a plug, it's less than nothing. So yeah. you know, just bear that in mind, dear well, listener. Honestly, I. Honestly, believe it is time that the government just take their blinkers off and look at it and say it's criminal what we're expecting people to live on, and they've got to be able to accept it that you've got to increase New Start because of the economic benefits. You know, most of it's going to every cent that you give to a dollar recipient is going to end up being spent, which is mm. going to lead to economic activity. We all know that. But as Trevor has said previously, there's no votes in the Morrison for the Morrison government in increasing Newstart, is there? No. Because those be. people don't vote for the Morrison government. No, they don't no. vote for the Morrison government, but the people that these guys go and spend their money on do vote for the Morrison mm. government. Yeah, be good for the economy. Absolutely it would be. And it would provide, uh, you know... 
a little bit more dignity in the lives of those people. You know, it's like the, the Queensland government's giving out 1250 bucks to every public servant. Are they? Yeah, there's a bonus. Because they're, and they're, they're, they're For what? What they do well, to deserve that? part of a pay package yeah. um, that they've obviously got to increase a range of different um, occupations mm-hmm. by 2%, 3% mm-hmm. or whatever, and as part of the thing they're saying, well, you get 2%, but you also get an upfront lump oh, sum of this amount. It's yeah. all part of a sort of an yeah. overall package. It's, it's probably cheaper than increasing their pay by 3% or 4% or whatever. Yeah, and yeah this is the whole point. It's, it's just a it's just 1250 bucks per public servant yeah. that they're um, going to hand out. Yeah. And it also gives a bit of, would give a bit of a sugar hit to the economy. Economy, yeah. Because mm, people who suddenly have a lump sum of that amount are going to go out go and buy. Spend it. Buy something. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you know the government also uh, planning to extend the waiting period for New Start? If you're a single person with mm. savings of $18,000, mm. you'll have to wait six months before you can apply for unemployment benefits. Yeah. So you just may as well have gone out and bought a car or something. I guess. <laughs> so, yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, back to Jackie Lambie. She said about today's generation... They want to show up to a rally once a year and apparently that's giving back. She said, that bothers me. It bothers me that kids today wouldn't know a bloody sandbag, let alone a spade. (laughs) I often break out in laughter when I hear Jackie Lambie speak. She has a certain uh, certain turn of phrase, doesn't she? Mm. Mm. She does. Oh, look, I was going to talk about think tanks, but I think we're sort of getting to the... Sign off stage here. Oh, are we already? Yeah, I was, I was kind just of... getting warmed up. Um, <laughs> uh, you guys keep track of think tanks at all? Uh, not too much. Not not a hell of a lot. I know that the IPA and the um, what's the other one? The Australia Institute and yeah. the Grattan Institute, and that's about it. Yeah, there's a whole heap here that I've got no idea what they are. Yeah, so it just when we have these debates about. I think, for example, um, uh, maybe it was the Jackie Lambie issue. There was somebody from a think tank, I think, came out and said, that's probably a good idea, you know. And Mm. people sort of think when they hear that a person from the Institute of Public Affairs or from the Centre for Independent Studies or the Australia Institute or the Australian Mm. Farm Institute or the um, Brisbane Institute or the Evett Foundation or the H.R. Nichols Society or the Lowy Institute, the McKell Institute, the Menzies Research Centre, they think these are some kind of independent think tanks that are providing just research for the benefit of the community. What did they say? Oh, well, if if the Sydney Institute says that, then, you know, what's interesting? So do you think they have no value in our society? They... The, the the downside of them outweighs the plus side. Yeah, yeah, because they are invariably so biased and people aren't aware of what their bias is. Mm. So if when these think tanks were quoted and it said, um, you know, from the Menzies Research Centre, well, it's a conservative think tank run by the Liberal Party. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, so really it's the Liberal Party saying this. Or if they said, 
you know, the Chifley Research Centre says that the minimum wage needs to be increased by $5 a week, well, $5 an hour or whatever. It's the Labor Party. It's the it? Labor Party one. Mm-hmm. Like, you never get the backstory of what is the bias mm. and the reason for being of this particular think tank, yeah. in which case then you can go, ah. Oh. So a pro-business think tank has come out with support of a, you know, low regulation and low tax regime for corporations. Mm. Uh, of course they're mm. going to say that. And mm. then you really have to look very, very carefully at what they say mm. and th- even more carefully if than you might otherwise if you knew yeah. it was independent. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, Look, I take your point, Trevor, but yeah. can I just in their defence say that uh, of late when I watch the drum, as I'm inclined to do, hmm. um, the drum is usually stacked with people on the left of centre. Yes. And, you know, they put the token sort of so-called right-wing or conservative commentator. commentator And they're often from one of these think tanks. I often find myself cheering for them because they're the only people who's willing to argue against some of the leftist bullshit that, you know, people are coming out with on the drum. So I'm... I find myself in their corner quite often saying, good on you for, for, you know, putting up an argument against some of the leftist dogma. Here's the problem, though. On Sky News when they're full of right-wingers, mm. they don't invite the left-wing think tank. Well, maybe they should. Well, but they don't. That's the problem. So yeah, but that's not to say that they don't have a place. You know, I think they have a place in our society. And but, so long as people are aware of where they're coming from, why shouldn't they do some research? And They're free to do it. Yeah. It's just the problem is people don't have time to understand the bias that is inherent in a lot of these organisations and to really discount what they're saying unless you can examine properly yeah. what they're saying. But you can say that about a whole range of things. Most people just mm. don't have time to educate themselves mm. about a whole mm. raft of things, do yeah. they? Yeah. You know? Yep. From why they buy Kellogg's cornflakes to just about anything else. Yeah. Um, one final article. This one is from George Monbiot in the UK and... Um, he said, you know, in previous times, a lot is he of them. from a think tank? No. He's, he's independent. Actually, he's interesting because he has a register of interests on his website. Mm. So he said, you know, any investments he's got in any corporations mm. or memberships of things, he has listed what they are to yeah. very openly say yeah. what possible bias he might be subjected to. Mm-hmm. So he's saying that previously, you know, our politicians were getting quite dry and boring at one point. No. Yeah. Couldn't possibly be. Yeah. And now we've got what he calls the killer clowns in the world. He talks about... Boris Johnson. He lists them and he says Nigel Farage, Donald Trump, uh, Modi, uh, Bolsonaro, Scott Morrison, he mentions, Duterte, (laughs) uh, and a a bunch of others. Wow, at least we made the list. Yes. (laughs) And um, he's saying, why are we getting these crazy guys and... He said that the nature of capitalism has changed, where previously powerful capitalists wanted technocrats who could keep the economy bubbling along at a nice rate. Mm. But capitalism now is um, relies on inheritance, monopoly and rent-seeking, and what these people want is um, chaos so that the government leaves them alone oh. uh, and, and, and pays no attention to them and doesn't actually... 
um, uh, control them because they're incapable of controlling anything. So they're happy to have useless idiots in charge because they're less likely to mm. gather together resources mm. and take them on. Interesting so, hypothesis. Yeah. Isn't it? What do you think, Scott? It is very interesting. I got to admit, when I read it and that sort of thing, I thought to myself, yeah, it makes a hell of a lot of sense, but I'm not entirely convinced. He's an anti-capitalist, isn't he? Oh, yeah, he's a very left-wing. Yeah. Mm. I'm just thinking to myself, it doesn't... (coughs) It it made sense on one level, but then on another level, it didn't make a hell of a lot of sense because you've got this situation where you've got a guy that's arguing that the... Capitalists are arguing it's better for us to be living in chaos, which doesn't seem to me to make a lot of sense. Mm. Anyway, link to that. All right, I reckon we're uh, about done. So they've been active in the chat room talking about Steiner schools. Oh, uh, really? Yes. The, Anything the, interesting? Uh, about pros and cons. And um, some people saying it was a good experience for relatives. Um, other people dissing it, saying... A friend of mine went to a Steiner school and she ended up in law. No. She said she sort of left the Steiner school at about grade 11 or 12, went to a normal school and spent the first six months cheating off her fellow students because she had no idea what was going on. Because she was behind in studies. Yeah, she was a long way behind. Mm. So, um, But uh, different strokes for different folks. I reckon Mm. there are some kids who it would suit and some it wouldn't. And, yeah, so... There we go. All right, dear listener. Um, um, that will do us, I think. Um, back to normal Tuesday next week. Um, send us uh, comments. Send us some love. You know, we haven't had an iTunes. Love. We haven't had an <laughs> iTunes review for about five months. That would be nice. Um, so um, that'd be good. Yeah. All right. Until next time. Bye for now. Thanks very much for tuning in. Bye now. See ya. Fist, glove, hard bottom here. Well, you two pinky lefto communist hippies have really crossed the line this time, and I can't allow it. Railing against the free speech of an anti-vaxxer just because he wants to save the public purse the expense of vaccinating little consumers, uh, I mean children, well... Have you thought about your free speech? It may well be preventing Catholics from entering the glory of heaven and spending eternity worshipping God, sitting around on clouds and playing harps. If the Muslims want their virgins, let them have virgins. If the Buddhists want to spin the wheel again, well, spin, spin away. If Ganesh is hungry, let him eat lamb, I say. I'm going to stop you. Cheryl, call the Pope. Fist, glove, you two have not experienced horror until you have experienced the full weight of a hard bottom crushing you. Well, dear listener, did you enjoy that episode of the podcast? If you did, I've got a favour to ask. Uh, First up, tell some friends. Let them know about the podcast. You'll be discussing something at some time and you might be repeating something I've said. And when you're talking to your friends, say, hey, I heard this on this podcast and it's worth listening to. And maybe pick an episode that you think is a good one and direct them to it. 
like grab their phone and go to their podcast app and search for Iron Fist Velvet Glove and subscribe <laughs> on their behalf on their phone and uh, and just put the word out. The other thing is you could become a patron and support the show. So if you go to our website, you'll see a link to Patreon and there are some different options for subscribing and paying per episode and really the amount that you pay depends on what you get from the podcast. So there's different levels ranging from $1.50 Australian to I think $10 and various ones in between. It's really what do you think it's worth? Is it worth a cup of coffee? Uh, is it worth more than that, less than that? Whatever you get out of it because not everybody gets the same. Maybe you don't listen to the whole thing. Maybe you never talk about it with people. Maybe you really couldn't care less half the time whether the podcast is there. It just it'll be different for everybody. So if you get a lot out of the podcast, contribute a bit more. If you don't get much, contribute less. But in any event, you can subscribe there. If you don't like the idea of a regular subscription, the website has a link to a PayPal donation. So you could just do a one-off donation every now and again. So there you go. It'd be good to uh, spread the word, get a few more listeners, and that way, look, if we ended up getting more listeners and more money, we could do maybe a second episode or more special episodes, provide some more content. So it's up to you. If you think it's worthwhile, let people know. Thanks.